Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. All right. Good morning. This is Rachel Marshall and Bruce Weiner back with the Money Advantage Podcast. And we have a very interesting conversation for you today. We are going to be discussing the conversation that Dave Ramsey has had about infinite banking. And the reason that we want to bring this to the forefront today is that if you are interested or considering infinite banking and privatized banking, something that we talk about on a regular basis, you're going to hear thoughts and opinions of other people who think differently. And it's really important to be able to sort through what are facts and what are opinions. And ultimately, our goal in any area of your financial life is to help you have confidence to make decisions. And what that means is, how do you become an independent thinker? How do you assemble facts and knowledge and not say, oh, something's you know too hard to figure out or... I can't understand it. So therefore I'm going to label it in a certain way, but really to be able to courageously dig into figuring out what is real and really be able to make decisions based on facts, not just opinions. So I think um, what's really interesting, we are going to be sharing some of the um, things that Dave Ramsey said um, word for word. I have transcribed part of the conversation. It's about a nine minute um, YouTube clip. We're going to share the link to the clip as well in the show notes. You can go listen to what Dave Ramsey said specifically, but he answered a question on his show and it's on YouTube available. Anyone can listen to this. And some of the things that he said were that infinite banking is a scam. He actually said that it's a joke. He mentioned it being hogwash. It's horrendous, a pile of manure. I could go on. Um, but really what he has shared is something that could make anybody say, well, Dave Ramsey says this about infinite banking. So is that correct or is it not correct? So we're here to just kind of really isolate ideas for you today and really focus in on the facts. And Bruce, I'm really thankful that you're here to have this conversation with me today. And I also want to, and before I have you kind of share your thoughts as we get going, Bruce, I want to let you know if you're listening, if you have questions, this is definitely a wonderful time to ask your questions that we can address on the show. So go ahead, Bruce. Thank you for joining me for this interesting uh, conversation. Yeah, I think one of the first thing we ought to uh, do for our listeners is they may, may, may not even know who Dave Ramsey is. Wonderful so, thoughts. <laughs> so da Dave Ramsey is a uh, American radio host that um, has a variety of financial solutions for people, mostly for people on how to get out of debt mm -hmm. and, and, and set their, um, their lives up. What's interesting about Dave is uh, he has a national radio show. People call in. Uh, what I do like about Dave is that he does have a system to help people get out of debt. Uh, I, I really like that about yeah, him as I, well. I think he does a great job of that. Yeah. I think that's very important. Um, What's interesting, though, is you know some people will call him a financial entertainer because Dave he has no licenses for anything, um, so he's given his uh, opinion without having a license in in insurance or in any of the security products. What he what his um, organization does, uh, they actually have a what they call financial piece, uh, which they market to um, churches. Financial Peace University. Mm -hmm. University, yes. Mm -hmm. It's it's a program you go through. It's mm -hmm. uh, I believe it's seven steps. It calls them seven baby, so. seven baby steps. Uh, I actually have listened to Dave on a lot of occasions because I, one, I think some of the things he says has a lot that's really good. So I'm trying to learn from him. Uh, but also because I when people it, it comes up in conversation a lot with people. Mm -hmm. uh, he's been around for 20 years. He is very very. Uh, wealthy, so his process has has been really good for him. Um, and so, what he does, just to let people know, is he he has certified uh, uh, planners that people will then come to his website and want 
to know more. And then he actually will send them to one of his, I believe they're called ELPs. And I don't remember mm. what those are, they stand for, but these ELPs are actually Dave Ramsey's certified people to actually bring people through Dave's program, which is, which is a, which is a nice thing because people really need help. Mm -hmm. I can say for uh, with 100% certainty, because I know two of these people that they don't even follow Dave's uh, philosophies. And the first one, which we're going to talk, we're going to talk about today is both of these people get leads from him and both of them actually sell whole life insurance, um, which I think is interesting because there's obviously, uh, you know, I don't know all of them, but I, I know two and both of them sell whole life insurance, which is what we're talking about today. Right. So, so there Almost is a no, contradiction, right there. Well, I just, my point is there's no checks and balances uh, for Dave. And oh, by the way, you have to pay Dave a monthly amount to be in his program. That's how he makes one of the ways he makes money. So I would, Which, I would, I would say that anybody that's looking at this is saying, okay, he's, he's talking about these things, but he's not doing anything checks and balance wise to make sure that his philosophy is being done by these people that he gets a payment from every, every, uh, every month. And he's also, we're talking about whole life, but he's also doesn't like insurance companies at all. So he does not like annuities at all either. And what's interesting is an annuity is kind of a monthly payment and Dave is getting an annuity type monthly payment from all these people. So um, that is kind of the background of who Dave is and the good things he does, and then what I would call the contradictions that he does. Yeah, Bruce, I really appreciate you sharing that. And I don't know why it didn't even cross my mind to share that because in most of the circles that I'm part of, most people are all very familiar with the name Dave Ramsey and the idea of baby steps. And and I know several people who have successfully gone through the program. I know people who are using, um, who are Dave Ramsey certified coaches as well. And even at one point back in the beginning of our career, we had people saying, hey, you guys should be Dave Ramsey certified coaches. And what's really interesting as well is a lot of times we'll have somebody who says, you know, I'm considering infinite banking, but Dave Ramsey says that it's terrible and I don't know what to think and don't know what to believe. And so the reason we're talking about this at all is that he is he has allowed voice in terms of his reach is broad. He has developed a very successful business model and I can respect him for a lot of the wonderful things that he has been able to do for people. I know people who are becoming debt-free um, and accomplishing goals in their financial life. We just see differently on multiple perspectives. And so specifically today, I want to let you know that we do believe in infinite banking and whole life insurance, but it's not because of a belief. It's not because we just think it's good. We want, want it to be good. We hope it's good. We trust that it's good. It's based on facts. And so that's what we want to share with you today. Um, let's go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and share some of his words. Bruce, are you ready to jump into that? Or is there Absolutely. something else that- no, I think okay. that's what we should do. Okay. So it kind of starts out and there is a gentleman who had called in with a question and basically said something along the lines of, you know, he'd been um, saving in a savings account and he was looking to rebalance his portfolio so that it would work harder. He had a low risk tolerance and somebody had talked to him about overfunding a whole life insurance policy that would break even in year seven, where he would have access to the money and dividends would outrun what he's putting in. So that's kind of the framework for uh, the comments then that Dave shared afterwards. And the guy was on the line as Dave is answering these, these questions. And um, Bruce, is there anything that you want to say you know, about that? I've actually, yeah, I've actually listened to this on several occasions. And he also pointed out to the fact that his person he was talking to was a financial advisor. And Dave said there was no way he was a financial advisor. He was an insurance person. Yes. Um, and he said it was, he, he never said I, who he worked for, but he said, I bet you it's a Northwestern or a Prudential person. And the guy said, yeah, it is. And uh, he said, so those are just insurance guys, you know, and then Dave talked about financial advisors, you know, uh, being certified, like certified a CFP certified financial 
uh, person. Um, and he said, well, no, these guys are just insurance producers. You can go on any um, Google search and you're going to find Northwestern uh, CFPs and Prudential CFPs all over the place. Which, by the way, CFP is Certified Financial Planner. Planner. I'm like, I don't uh, know. <laughs> certified Financial Planner. And it, it's just a designation. Yes. It's just a designation. It, I don't even think it means that a per, the person's good. It just mm -hmm. means they passed the test. Um, but, you know, it, it means that they did go through some, some uh, schooling for this. Just exactly what Dave wants. He wants a certified financial person, just mm -hmm. like I am. Uh, I was going to uh, say, Bruce, can you just comment on what yeah, are you? Series 60, a series 65 is means that I'm a fiduciary. It means that I've taken not only the, 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 uh, the courses and certification passed the test, a major test to be able to, to understand all this, but also that I've taken uh, an oath as a fiduciary. It means I put the best interests of my clients forward. Now, Which means over, you're not over, just selling a product, not you're just selling a product. thinking about the client's financial situation. Correct. And, and, what I, and this is the part that I have, the, the problem I have with not only Dave Ramsey, but also with the regulatory bodies and also the con conflict of other organizations is that they believe they know what's right for an individual without actually taking the individual's um, thoughts about money into consideration. So example, the person that was on the show that called in said he was conservative, mm -hmm. very conservative. Well, Which is Dave, key. Dave touts the fact that, you know, you should be in mutual funds all the time. Mutual funds are not a conservative investment. The regulatory bodies say it, the self, the self uh, regulatory organizations say it. And yet this person says he's conservative. And this person was also looking for some type of rate of return that would be greater than the bank. And that's why his, his financial advisor said, well, what we could do is this. Mm -hmm. We could actually do an overfunded policy. So right away, um, there was two uh, flags in that. One is that Dave did, didn't think that any Northwestern or Prudential person could be a CFP or a a certified financial planner, or even an, an investment advisor. And the other thing was he called Prudential a mutual company, and Prudential is no longer a mutual company. Prudential is a stock company. So, so let's oh, go ahead, Bruce. I was going to go line by line because there are a lot of things that were kind of built into this conversation, but you were saying Prudential is well, no I'm just longer saying that mutual. It, it was just another thing that he didn't, I mean, it was just a fact that he got wrong. Right. Um, yeah. So go, go ahead with the next. The next no, that's awesome. Um, so I thought it was um, very interesting here. I, I liked all the comments that you made about what the guy was trying to accomplish. Um, we'll, we'll cover that a little bit later as well. So first, Dave started out saying he's selling a dividend. And right. then he said, this is an insurance advisor, not a financial advisor. And so I just wanted to comment on that. Bruce, as you already have done very well, that we are both in the money advantage. You have access to both through the money advantage. And lots of people are financial advisors as well as insurance advisors. And just because somebody is able to sell insurance does not mean they are not able to sell investments. It is a licensure and somebody can hold both licenses. So then, um, yeah, so he kind of goes through, this was really interesting. I'm going to kind of read the comments about the mutual and stock company that he said. And let's talk about what that means. So these are Dave's words, quoting, he said, and a mutual company, he said, there's two types of insurance companies, mutual and stock companies. Stock companies, the stockholders own the insurance company and mutual companies, the policyholders are the stockholders. When the company makes a profit, policyholders receive a dividend as if they were a stockholder and receive a dividend. That is factual and that is accurate. Now, these are Dave's words again. Follow the math here. If you're the owner of the company and you're also the customer of the company and the only place the company gets money is from the customers that are owners and they give you money from profit, by definition, that means it's because they took too much from you as a customer, there wouldn't have been profit otherwise. End quote. That was Dave Ramsey's words. 
Let's talk about where does the life insurance company actually get their profit from because it's much more than premiums paid into the insurance company. Right. And, um, and he, he is, he is correct when he says that 7702, the IRS tax code does not um, tax dividends. And it is in their, in their consideration an overpayment of, of uh, premium. That does not mean that is the only place that insurance companies actually uh, make money from. Mm-hmm. So just like I could say the same thing about Coca-Cola or um, UPS when they pay a di- dividend. Well, if UPS and Coca-Cola didn't overcharge for their sodas or their, or their uh, freight service, then there, there would not be extra money left over to pay a dividend. Now, Dave's argument is um, that you are actually the owner of the company and they're overcharging the owners. But right. what, they're, what they're actually doing is, one, is one of the reasons that they're overcharging is because they are guaranteeing a death benefit into the future. And they have to take in consideration if something catastrophic were to happen, such as a nuclear war, uh, a, a pandemic, uh, uh, catastrophic event, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. So they have to anticipate that these things may happen so that they're going to charge you a little bit more and then they're going to give it back in some form of a, of a dividend. However, the other way that the companies make money is they actually invest in conservative um, investments. Many of those are corporate and treasury bonds. They actually do some derivatives and they do some uh, mortgage-backed investments also. And then a slight sliver of some other types of equities. And when I say slight, I mean very slight, one and a half to 3%. Yeah, it's It's like under 4%, right? So what they do is, just like every company does, that, that's a stock company or a mutual company, what they do at the end is said, okay, we, we took your money, we made investments with it. We then tried to hold the, um, the expenses down, whether it's home office, whether it's paying um, producers, whether it's the, the actuaries, whether it's the service people, whether it's the, the nurses that they send out. We have all these expenses. We actually have this money coming in plus what we're making on this money. And then at the end of the year, we're going to declare if we did a good job of uh, making money on our investments and holding expenses down, we're going to declare a dividend amount for the entire pool. And that at that time, that dividend then will be paid out to the mutual um, to the mutual holders of the policies. Um, and you know, it goes from there. It's just, it's not anything that's magic. It Mm -hmm. still is, uh, uh, running a business the best way you can run the business. Yeah. I think what's really interesting that I just want to be really clear and very specific about that is inaccurate in what Dave said. And I'm going to have to be bold and say it was inaccurate. Um, it's, just not factual information. So it can be a explanation of your understanding, but if your understanding is not based on facts, then it is not a true statement. So he said- Rachel, that's really good because um, people have been saying this about Dave for years, is that he refuses to, because a lot of people, including our own Bob Murphy, who we've had on a couple of times, have actually uh, offered to sit down with Dave and explain what's actually happening, happening, not his understanding what is happening. Mm-hmm. And he refuses to do it. So you're absolutely right. It's his understanding what is happening, mm-hmm. not what is actually happening. Which is important then if you're going to share knowledge. I mean, I, I just have to think about for myself, if I'm going to hear someone else's bias, I don't want to just assume and take on their bias. I want to understand what the actual circumstances so I can form my own opinion and then not just say, well, so-and-so says this is what is true. I want to make sure that it's accurate. So what's interesting is that it is not true that the only place 
that they get money is from you paying premium. That is just that's, simply that's, not true. They're it, absolutely yeah. investing you can, those you can look dollars. It up. Yes. Every mutual company will show you where, where their investments are. And actually what's interesting as well is there wouldn't be a need for an entire internal investment strategy and structure within an insurance company if they weren't investing. I mean, they're figuring out what bonds to put money in at what time they're looking at specific, they're managing the insurance company's portfolio internally in a way that is conservative and long range using the investments that you talked about, Bruce, specifically corporate grade investment bonds, but they're looking at managing that money for a profit, for maximum profitability and maximum long-term stability as well. They don't, that's why they're not taking giant risks. They're not saying, well, how do I just throw this into the riskiest, most high return option? They're saying, how do I manage this for long-term consistent growth? So uh, let's move on then. So this was interesting. Um, so he's talking about dividends and, um, he says, this is Dave Ramsey's quote. He says, so the IRS has deemed consequently that mutual life insurance company dividends are not dividends in the true sense of a dividend that they are instead. And this is the IRS's language, the refund of a deliberate overcharge. So they overcharge you in order to give you some money later and make you feel like you're making money off of them. And it's absolute hogwash. It's a pass-through. Mathematically, it's a pass-through. It's the way it has to be. It's the legal definition of the freaking company and the IRS says so. Now, I did not raise my tone, um, but I, those are verbatim, the word for word um, block that Dave Ramsey sh shared and said. So what's interesting is that um, I think the, <laughs> the most interesting phrase in that whole thing to me was where he said, it's the way it has to be, meaning it's the way it has. I have to understand it based on this circumstance that I know. So Bruce, let's talk about what is a dividend and why is it non-taxed? I know you touched on this a little bit earlier. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's simply because the IRS has deemed this to be something important um, remember, um, we've had several people on the show talk about um, the IRS tax code. And uh, you know, everybody knows, listeners, I hate the word loophole. Mm -hmm. um, Tom Wilwright, uh, Kiyosaki's a, accountant, you know, he, he, I've actually been in trainings with him. And he says, there's no such thing as a loophole. There's only incentives in the tax code. Mm -hmm. So when the IRS, which have to, you know, the tax codes have to be approved by Congress, when they do this, the, the governing body is trying to incent us to do something. <laughs> That's why they do it. That's right. why they put it in there. Uh, so what they're trying to do is incent us. And I tell people all this time, they say, well, why is this tax free? And I say, well, that's because they're trying to incent us to actually take out life insurance policies. And why are they trying to incent us to take out life insurance policies? So that if something happens to us, our families are taken care of. Because if the families are taken care of, then the, the burden of them on society goes away. Mm -hmm. There's no welfare. There's no um, uh, subsidies for food. There's no subsidies for housing, so on and so forth. So, Bruce, that's key. I mean, yeah. for real, if you think about just in, in the circle of people that you know personally, if all of them had life insurance, and now granted, some people can't get life insurance at whatever stage of life they come to the realization that they would like to have it. And so sometimes that's a little bit of a challenge. But if you just think about your immediate circle, I know people I could count on probably four hands that didn't have life insurance and ended up in a really terrible situation because they didn't have life insurance. And it's a burden to the people who know them because then there has to be somehow to fill this gap. Life insurance is the best way to do it. So anyway, I love that you're saying it's not a loophole. It's an incentive because it's good for society. Yeah. And um, I mean, that's all we have to say, say on that. The, the reason they, they make dividends um, non-taxable one is that they do consider it to be a overcharge but that overcharge is actually calculated. Um, but that return, the reason they overcharge is they are taking care of uh, catastrophic situations. That's a big thing about it. 
So they don't know the, that they're overcharging, but also the, it, not all that return of the dividend is from being overcharged. It's also from the investments that come yes. out and the IRS says, we're, we're not going to deem this to be a taxable event because we'd like to incent you to do it. It's that simple. Yes. And actually, one thing I want to point out on this as well, if the dividend was only a return of overpaid premium, you would never have a time where your dividend is more than what you've paid in in that given year. However, if you look at an illustration or you walk an actual policy out through its experience, you will come to a point where your dividend is more than what you pay in and it continues to grow and the amount of growth in your policy far exceeds what you've ever put in in premiums in the first place. So that is the fact of what your experience will be in a whole life insurance policy. We're actually getting some good comments in here. Let's just take a quick break and uh, address some of these. We have James Trader saying, what I've learned from people like Dave most of my life is that tax deferred is good, whole life is bad, the stock market and derivatives are risky. Then he also comments what I've learned after taking control of my own education, the standard education from booksellers like Dave are all wrong. <laughs> so very, very interesting comments, Justin. I appreciate you sharing that. And it is interesting. I'll just comment very briefly on this. Most of the world around us thinks that tax deferred is good because they think, oh, I'm going to not have to pay tax on this portion of my money today. That means I'm lowering my taxes because I'm possibly bumping down in a tax bracket and I'm saving tax. The problem with that thinking is that tax deferral, again, we can use this language it, by definition, defer means to postpone. You are not avoiding tax. You are pushing it out into the future. And so where a lot of people get that misunderstanding, I'm saving tax by deferring in something like a 401k or even an IRA, they're thinking, oh, I'm lowering my tax. You're lowering today's tax. What are you doing in the future? We don't know. We don't know what the tax rate will be, what tax bracket you'll be in, what the tax thresholds will look like. You have the possibility to have a higher tax. And hopefully, in my opinion, I will be making more money in a higher tax bracket and I don't have any idea what the government is going to do. Taxes could be way higher in the future. If we look at average tax rates over time, I don't want to be in a situation that I'm blindly hoping that in the future taxes are going to be in my favor because I don't think they will be. Yeah. And, and if, uh, we just released our Secure Act um, podcast, which is another uh, example of uh, whole life insurance is a contract. You cannot change contract without changing the the, the essence of society, contractual law, and yet taxes is, uh, can be changed at any time. And mm -hmm. they have over and over again. And Secure Act's a great example of that. John, John <laughs> yes. Fox Ward just mentioned uh, that it's, good, uh, it's a good place that it's such a good place for whole life that our elected officials and bankers put what called tier one assets mm -hmm. and leverage this tax advantage um, uh, position that you have in whole life. Yes, and in they fact, do. I don't know if we mentioned this on the podcast, but the disclosure from uh, President Biden. Uh, he just disclosed that he has four whole life uh, uh, mm -hmm. contracts. Um, and many, many of the elected officials have these. And as John po points out, uh, banks actually actually um, store most of their tier one capital that they have to have for a reserve into what's called yes. BOLI or bank owned life insurance. Now we're probably getting a little off topic. So let's get back to, let's get back to Dave and, uh, and some. Yes. Uh, some Exactly. All right. So um, if you have made a comment and we have not got to you yet, we will come back to that. We actually had a second person mentioning um, bank-owned life insurance as well. So we're going to come back to comments in a minute. We're going to move on forward with the conversation. So this got even more interesting here. So again, Dave Ramsey's comments specifically, in quote, the thing I didn't... Um, I guess this was the caller. Dave Ramsey's caller said, the thing I didn't love is that when you take the money back, you're taking an interest rate on it. Now, Dave's comment was this, exactly. And whose money is this? You're borrowing your own money and you're paying them interest? That is, this is infinite banking for them. End quote. Done with Dave's comment. Here's our thoughts on this. Uh, there's a lot wrong with that statement. Um, first of all, when you pay premiums into a whole life policy, you are building a death benefit. 
a portion of that death benefit is cash value, which is available capital for you to use. Now you can use that in multiple ways. Yes, you can take out your actual money. That's called a withdrawal. Withdrawal. I cannot pronounce that word. And what that means is that you are taking out your own cash value. Sure, absolutely, you can do that. However, there's a much, much better way. Uh, just so let's just, and you do not pay interest when you do that. Right. When well, you take on out a withdrawal. Own, on a withdrawal. On a withdrawal, yes. you do not pay. If you just withdraw your own money, yes. you do not oh. pay interest on that. Good you do, point. You do lose the ability to con- continue to have that money compound yes. in the future. Yes. And this is key. So the cash value is accessible to you. And the ideal way to take this out is through a policy loan. Now, when you take a policy loan, yes, there's an interest rate attached to that policy loan. But that's the reason why is that here is your cash value. Imagine it's sitting in a I don't know, a milk carton, and you can see the level of how much cash is in your cash value right now. Let's just say it's full. When you take a policy loan, you do not pour out some of that milk out of the container and drain the level of the milk. Instead, you take a loan, which is the insurance company's money, not your own money from the general fund. They put a lien against that amount of capital in your life insurance cash value. So imagine a portion of that milk in that container is now unavailable. Maybe it's frozen at the bottom. It, it sat in the freezer too long or, or your fridge was too cold. And at the bottom, it's frozen. You cannot use that at this present time for something else. There's a lien against it. Now, what happens, you're paying the insurance company an interest rate because you've used their money. They have secured or collateralized that loan with your cash value. The cool thing is your entire carton of milk, your entire cash value continues to grow with dividends and interest. However, you are not borrowing your own money and paying yourself an interest rate. You are borrowing the insurance company's money so that you have the ability for your money to keep growing and not interrupt the compounding. You are not borrowing from your money. You're not borrowing your money. You're borrowing against your money. Bruce, is there anything you want to share there? No, I think it's a a good synopsis. All right. So... Um, let's go ahead and, oh, actually I do want to mention as well. So the reason to use infinite banking and really when we say infinite banking, we're talking about a specially designed whole life insurance policy that yes, is a dividend paying whole life policy with a mutual company. We're going to talk about paid up additions and actually maybe we're not going to get into much PUAs. We will, we will in the future, maybe just a tiny bit today. But when we look at this, the power of using infinite banking is the strategy of having this policy, not just the policy itself. The strategy is borrowing against the capital in that method that I mentioned, where you're paying the insurance company a interest rate to use their money, collateralizing your cash value. What's interesting about that is that while your money's continuing to grow, say that that loan was used to go buy a rental property and that rental property cash flows for you, or you flip it and then you repay your loan and you free up the capital again, then to use the capital for another investment, you're able to use the velocity of money where that same money is being almost recycled for you to use multiple times over and over. And that's really the power of infinite banking. Now back to Dave's comments. The infinite banking concept is old school, whole life done poorly. You need a real financial advisor, not an insurance broker that's trying to sell you a load of manure. Now, I again said that without... um, Adding the tone. Yes. <laughs> I, I took out the emotional component of his comments. I'm not trying to uh, be an actress here and, and copy his tone. But what's really interesting is that infinite banking concept is not just old school whole life insurance, and it's definitely not done poorly. Um, but what is happening is within whole life insurance, you can have multiple ways to design a policy. And Whole life insurance has been around for centuries and people have used it for a very long time. The wealthy and the people that understand how it works have used it to build wealth for a really long time. And um, Bruce, you had kind of mentioned earlier the difference between financial advisor, insurance broker. We can talk about that. But I think really the, the point about this is that you're not just having a whole life product. Typically, those would be all, all of your premium is going towards the death benefit the way that we design policies with infinite banking, you have another rider. We're not going to get into technicalities, but it's called a paid up additions rider. And that builds you a lot of cash value upfront and quickly. So it's a way to supercharge or to 
accelerate the uh, the use value of this policy for you today? Yeah, um, what I find interesting in this comment, he says, it's old school, whole life done poorly. Does that mean that old school, whole life is actually good? Oh, that's because awesome. It sounds like you say an old school, whole life is good, but this is done poorly. So right. I don't know if he caught himself in that. That's funny. That, what's interesting is when Dave's challenged on this in the past, he's very careful the way he, he phrases that he does not own any whole life insurance. Mm-hmm. He says he does not own any whole life insurance. Many people wonder if um, his wife actually is the owner of a policy on him. Oh, because interesting. He, 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 he says that he doesn't ha- have any whole life insurance. He doesn't just say that on, on, his, on his person. He says, I do not own whole life insurance. So it's a very interesting uh, um, choice of words. And I think this is an, another interesting choice of words. Uh, one of the things uh, you brought up was um, how old these companies are. And Northwestern Mutual has been around since 1864. And um, when you start thinking about that, and, and many of these mutual companies, well, all of them that we use and represent mm-hmm. have been, uh, been around for over 115 years. So uh, these, I always tell people that something in, in our free market society does not hang around if it's bad. Now, does that mean <clears throat> does that mean that there are not there are maybe some people that are not implementing it properly? Yes, but but I also morning I get it, the advisor's newsletter, and just this morning, <clears throat> oh well, <clears throat> excuse me, there was a Wells Fargo advisor who was actually banned for not taking their particular client's ish, um, interest. And they were actually selling them um, some mutual funds um, that they were actually getting some uh, compensation for. So j- I tell people all the time, um, just because you are a financial advisor and you've taken this oath doesn't mean that you're still going to do it. The proof is in the pudding. You know, what are you yeah. actually doing? I believe an That's insurance true. professional can take, can be the, have their client's best interests in mind. Because if yes. a client says, I would like protection, I would like a death benefit I cannot outlive, I would like this. Well, you're doing what the client would like. Mm-hmm. Um, and Which most of the people that we talk to want those things. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. All right. We've got a lot more to cover. Let's see how fast we can do this here. So Dave quote here. Um, the other thing is that cash values are all sitting there, are sitting there all. Ugh, and they die said. with you. Yes, they die with you. So whatever you put into this equals zero at your death because they only pay the face value. Then he mentions Prudential and Northwestern do not have policies that pay more than the face value except universal life. And he goes on to that. So here's the deal. That's also, end quote. Here's the deal. That's a complete misunderstanding of cash value and death benefit and what that actually means. So I am, yeah, I am so tired of this this argument. And he, go, he goes to this over and over. And, and Bob Ramsey, or Bob Murphy, excuse me, Bob Murphy has explained this, you know, um, as you, <clears throat> as you uh, put money into your house in, in the form of mortgage payments, yes. and then somebody buys your home, mm-hmm. you, you don't get all the money that you um, put in it, plus the, plus the money that the bank gave you right. uh, along the way. You only get the difference between the two. Mm-hmm. And cash value and the, and the death benefit work the same way. And what a lot of people, and I want all the listeners to understand this is what a lot of people don't understand is if you have a $2 million death benefit and a $1 million cash value, you're not paying insurance costs on $2 million. You're only paying insurance costs on the difference between 1 million and 2 million, because that's the only risk that the insurance company has. So your insurance costs actually are less as the as the cash value goes up because there's less um, risk for the insurance company. Mm-hmm. So that's why they don't give you the cash value and the death benefit. They only give you the death benefit because you haven't been paying for that entire um, two million dollars plus the the money you're making on the one million dollars. Now, you could design a, a policy that does this and says, 
okay, we're going to return all your cash value plus what we've made on it through our investments. And we're going to pay you $2 million of death benefit, but you have to pay the entire cost of the insurance for the $2 million. They choose not to do that because people are really looking for leverage involved in this. Mm -hmm. I want to put this much money in. I want to leverage it up to $2 million of death benefits. So it's, it's once again, it shows that he really doesn't understand how these things are designed Mm -hmm. and that you actually get a benefit from not getting your cash value back to, and that benefit is lower cost of insurance. Bruce, that's actually a really amazing way of explaining it. I have not thought about about it in that perspective before. Here's the way that I tend to think about it. And this also accomplishes the same objective, but you buy life insurance, your premiums buy a death benefit. You're all the kinds of premium you put in buy a death benefit. Now, life insurance, whole life has a cash value as well, which is not a separate bucket from your death benefit. It's a portion of your death benefit that's currently available for you to use. It's kind of like in your house, you're building equity. So say your house is worth a million dollars and you currently have $300,000 of equity. That is the same concept as having a million dollars of death benefit and $300,000 of cash value. It's not separate. It's not like you have one pocket of money over here that's cash value and one that's death benefit. So when they pay out the face value, the face value is your death benefit in a properly designed whole life insurance or properly designed um, infinite banking policy, your death benefit's going to continue increasing over time. You're also going to be in a position where I really want to point this out. You will always in a life insurance policy have a death benefit greater than the dollars you paid in premium. Is that true? Well, until age 121, when they are equal, and then they just write you the check. I mean, premium to premium to death benefit. Premium, the dollars you pay in versus death benefit oh, yeah, paid out. Yes, yes. Okay, I'm sorry. I thought you meant cash. I thought you said cash. Right. Yes, the, right. Premium, the death benefit will always be leveraged up all over the premium that you paid in. Yes. So what that means is that even if I've paid in over the course of my life because I wanted to put a lot of money in this excellent place to store cash, even if I put in $500,000 of premiums over the course of my life, my death benefit will always be more than the amount that I've paid into the policy, which means that I'm not going backwards and I'm not shrinking. It was just interesting because he was basically saying that you're getting less than what you put in, which is not the case. Correct. Okay. Um, I think we can skip over the next part here. <sighs> anyway, uh, this was interesting. I'll go to he, Dave Ramsey said, everyone in the financial field, except people that work for them, we all think they're a joke. All of us, he's talking about um, the insurance companies. Um, Anyone who's academically trained or who's any kind of CFP or anything, when anyone says they work for Northwestern Mutual, we all kind of laugh and go, yeah, right. You screw people every day. And he laughs. End quote. Um, What I find find (laughs) interesting about Dave and one of the things that irritates the heck out of me, Nelson Nash was a a person that wore his religious views, his Christian views on his sleeve and wasn't Mm. afraid to say it to anybody. And yet Mm -hmm. he treated people with grace. He treated people like I think Christ would like uh, people to be treated. Mm -hmm. And he never talked. um, He he disagreed with people, but he never attacked their character. Mm -hmm. And Dave also claims to be a Christian. And I don't like the fact that he, uh, attacks people's character to give you, I did, I did yeah. a little, re- I did a little research and actually um, there, are, there are so many CFPs certified financial planners, which are investment advisors at, at some people think at the highest level of, of uh, not only uh, uh, education, but at the highest level of integrity. Um, there are so many of them that Northwestern mutual that glass door, which you can find out how much people make on average, they a- actually report what a CFP from Northwestern Mutual makes on average, which is $71,604. Now, what I find interesting is Dave's always saying, oh, they're only selling you this stuff to make, so they make a lot of money. To me, $71,604 is middle class. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's not a out of proportion to what the kind of value that they're giving. 
Mm-hmm. So um, if you do a little research, you can actually, and this is what you and I have, have talked about for years on this show is that you should be your, your, your best financial advisor. Yes. You, you should actually research all these things and not just take things at face value. And obviously we, we're not Northwestern Mutual producers because they're captive. We cannot be appointed with them because the, the only thing you can uh, then uh, present are Northwestern products. And we chose to be a broker in this situation, but we certainly yes. align ourselves with their way of thinking. Um, yeah, he, um, he has made a, a variety of comments about um, that are not very, or that are disparaging comments. Mm-hmm. Which I we can skip that, over all of those. Yeah, we can skip all over. You'll and get I, them if you go to the I, video directly. Yeah, I actually, I actually wrote down Northwestern screws people every day. And I thought, boy, if that was true, then they wouldn't be around since 1864. And the regulatory bodies would not allow this to happen. Right. Oh, that's so good. All right. Um, we are really past the top of the hour here. So we're going to um, just wrap this up real quickly here. What's interesting is that he says you need to go away from them. This is Dave Ramsey. So you need to go away from them and you need to get a real financial advisor that will help you do some real investing that takes into consideration your low risk tolerance. I do want to point out that an insurance product is what would be considered money that is safe, liquid, and growing. Investments carry risk. With an investment, you have the risk of loss. So something that has a higher potential for return risk doesn't mean a higher potential for return is what I'm trying to say. It instead means the potential for loss. The key is that within a whole life insurance product, you do not have the potential for loss and that does not make it an investment product. I think people confuse it and call it an investment product, which it is not. Um, there was something else at the end I wanted to point out. He said, um, well, he, yeah, he did mention, he said, it, uh, it, it's bad enough they feed on the middle class, but oh, yeah. that guy's a baby step seven. That guy's probably a millionaire. And that's why I actually looked up the average Northwestern Mutual CFP, uh, which is an investment advisor um, salary, which is 71000 you know, uh, whatever I said, $71,604. So I think he might be... He probably was talking about the caller, I think, in that case, saying the caller had mentioned he was in baby step seven. And what's just really interesting, too, is that if you are wealthy or if you're not, there are strategic, systematic ways to keep more of your money, protect it, and make more cash flow that will propel time and money freedom. It honestly doesn't matter how much your net worth is. Um, I also want to point out one two things in the end. This was just so, so interesting. I have so many comments I'd love to share, but he also said, Dave Ramsey quote, and they create such a jumbled word picture that you can't cut through the BS. And yet, you know what happened to him? It didn't feel right. You ever have those feelings? I don't exactly know what's wrong, but I smell a rat, which means there's a dead rat in the corner. I just haven't found it yet. Even though you couldn't explain it, you listen to your heart. I... I just have to really disagree here. I think there is a time and a place for following your heart, following, following your heart and your emotions and making financial decisions really does need logic. There is not so much BS that you can't cut through it. It is very possible to understand infinite banking and whole life insurance is actually very simple. I think unfortunately it has been overcomplicated by people who do not understand it clear enough to explain it in a way that makes sense, which I mean, frankly, if you don't understand something well yourself, there's no way you're going to be able to understand it in a way to explain it clearly. And I think it takes stepping out of the typical standard way of thinking, thinking for yourself, making your own decisions, formulating those opinions. That's a lot of work. It's a lot of mental work to be able to be in a position of explaining something that really does serve people best. Didn't Tom, um, Todd Langford said something about truth is harder to explain than fiction or than a lie. Did he say something like that? Do you remember the quote that I'm talking about? Yeah, but I don't remember the exact quote. It was almost that like something that's a misunderstanding is easier to perpetuate. Yeah. It's easier. It's easier to uh, fool people than to convince them that they they have been fooled. Yes. God says all the time. Yes. Anyway, just so interesting. What I just encourage you to do is really dig in build your education, build your knowledge base. And for goodness sakes, don't even just take our word for something. 
really go check it out. Make sure the facts line up. Making financial decisions is something that you need to use logic. You need to use an understanding and you can make decisions based on knowledge and understanding. You don't have to just go on what something feels like. And sometimes maybe you're feeling about something is not because there's something fishy about it, but maybe it's because you're listening to other people's opinions that are unfounded. So just check your the voice that is causing you to have certain feelings about products and certainly make your decision. Does whole life make sense for you? Does it not make sense for you? But don't take someone else's opinion. Look at the facts. Yeah. In closing, I would just like to say, here's the problem uh, in today's <clears throat> in today's internet environment. Um, you have a problem, you go to the internet to try to solve the problem through people's opinions and education. But, uh, but then you start getting conflicting uh, education and opinion. And a lot of times it seems conflicting. So you're like, well, I can't make a decision. The reason it seems conflicting is, is it's not in alignment of what you really want to, to happen mm-hmm. in your life. If you then pick the, pick the situation where you say, I want to follow these people because they seem to be in line with what I want in my life, then it's very easy to make a decision mm-hmm. because you, you're, you're basing your decisions on principle, not on a product. And yes. this is the problem all the time. And we, we actually had our, our uh, annual think tank the last two days for the Nelson Nash Institute. Oh, and we, talked, awesome. we talked about that, uh, situation. It's not about who has the best product and it's not about who has the best um, internal rate of return. Uh, it's, it's about having the right habits and about the right principles of what you're trying to accomplish in your life. And that yes. is for everything you're, you are doing, whether you have a big home, a small home, a big car, a small car, whether you give a lot to charity, whether you don't give uh, much to charity, it's whatever it aligns with your philosophy. You should find that tribe and then that person will actually help you align your goals so that you feel good about moving forward. Because if you, if you go to the internet and you, and you try to find the one answer that everybody should be following, you're going to get confused and you're not going to move forward. And I'm so going to end this by saying, the one thing that I hear from people that have implemented this is I wish I would have done it sooner. And mm-hmm. I've said this before. Nelson used to say this all the time because he was a forester. The best time to plant a tree is 70 years ago, but the second best time to plant a tree is today. Mm-hmm. So don't wait another 70 years to plant a tree. Bruce, that is so, so good. Oh my goodness. I feel like this conversation could go on for a long time. Um, I, I feel like I just want to like, say amen to everything you said. You're kind of preaching there. Um, All right. I am going to just, I want to just recognize everyone has um, put a lot of, we've just had so many comments today. This has been really thankful. I've, I'm really thankful for how engaged people are. So um, Justin Kaufman says on YouTube, ELP is endorsement local providers. Thank Thank you, you. Justin. Um, Justin Kaufman says, the money advantage, you're welcome. I followed Dave for a while and don't understand why he does not use this with his debt snowball. You save the interest going to the bank and you pay off debts. Can I, can I comment? Yeah. The reason I think Dave doesn't do this is because at one time, I think Dave um, may have been able to, early in his career, 20 years plus years ago, he may have been able to be convinced. But now he is so ingrained in this that if he were to have somebody explain it to him, then he'd have to admit that he did not know exactly how this can be helpful in a person's life. And he'd have to admit that was giving wrong advice all these years. And I don't care if you're Dave Ramsey, myself, you, Rachel, or anybody Mm -hmm. else. It's hard to admit that your way of thinking was wrong for the last 25 years. Or maybe- sure. You don't have to admit it all, but you're like, oh, I was able to see a new light. I thought they were designing it this way, or I thought their motives was money. Their, their actual motive was we designed it this way so that they have an alternative place to store money other than a bank, and it's safe, reliable, and we're going to get a death benefit, and we understand now how the death benefit is paid out, and it's, you're not being 
overcharged by the insurance company. It's not expensive. It is actually the going rate. It's just more, and it has to be more because it is going to be there permanently for your entire mm-hmm. life. So that's why I think he has a hard time, you know, admitting that he has to do something differently. He'd have to admit. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Bruce, I think it's a normal human tendency to want to be protecting of our opinions and not have to admit. I mean, the real truth is we're all figuring out this life and none of us have all the answers. And if we did, we would, I don't know, be God or something. And thankfully we're not because we're, (laughs) we're finite in our knowledge, but I mean, we have to be able to confidently make decisions. And so you need to confidently make decisions and also figure out where all the places that you don't have the right information are. And that's a challenging thing to figure out. And I think sometimes it can be really just a human tendency to swing too far into one or the other. Well, I'm just going to be overconfident or I'm just going to be underconfident and never make any decisions because I just can't know. And so I think it just takes a lot of courage to lean into that and figure out well, what do I not know? So um, we can all learn from that. I also, Justin Kaufman, another thing that you mentioned, the debt snowball. I love the idea of helping people become financially free. I do not think being debt-free is financial freedom. Um, I also think there's a better way to pay off debt than with the debt snowball. And we have resources and tools on that. What we would suggest is doing what puts you in the most control with the most cash flow. We have something called the cash flow index that helps you to pay off debt strategically, not just for the purpose of being debt free, but for the purpose of freeing up as much cash flow as possible so you can put more money into savings that you control. So just wanted to clarify that there. James Trader says, uh, the money advantage, don't commercial banks use bank owned life insurance as a strategy? Yes, I think we addressed that one earlier. Um, then Zach Carroll says, I own both an IUL and whole life. I think they both have their pros and cons. Dave Ramsey and many others hate on permanent life insurance. Not sure why there's so much hate in the industry. Zach, oh my goodness. Thank you for addressing that. Yes, there's a lot of hate. And it's interesting that, I mean, what are the taboo subjects? God, sex, religion, politics. I mean, basically uh, money. If you get in any one of those veins, you're in the position where there's a lot of opinion. And if you even open your mouth or state any opinion, you're going to have a lot of counter opinion. And gosh, uh, it is, it's really unfortunate to me to have um, so much misinformation and, you, and you hate. Know what I find interesting, I, I talked to somebody, you know, a lot of people that, you know, they have 200 and I just talked to a client the other day has $267,000 in a savings account. And he said, yeah, my, my friends were telling me I'm, I'm stupid for having all that money in there you should be going out and buying this stock and this stock and this stock. And he was like, yeah, but I don't, that's not my comfort level. I don't want to do that. So it's funny that you get both ends of the spectrum. You have some people would never leave any money in the savings account. They would be putting it in all (laughs) kinds of investments. Yeah. And they think those people are wrong. And then you have people that have $267,000 in a savings account and think people that are buying stocks are wrong. It's not right or wrong. It's what you're trying to accomplish. That's what we've been trying to tell people the entire time. So mm-hmm. if somebody, we don't, we don't want people that, we frankly don't want people that want to put all their money into venture capital things because those people are looking for the unicorn, the big, the big hit. We are looking mm-hmm. for people that have conservative values and just want a, an alternative place to store cash yes. and want to leave a legacy. So yes. We just want that tribe. If you want to, if you want to, if a Dave Ramsey tribe, just be a Dave Ramsey tribe. Yeah, um, and he, he's he's going to help you. Well said. Um, I Zach Carroll says I think they are great and have many benefits. Interesting. I'm not sure what that comment was on at uh, one point in the conversation. Zach says I heard Jim Harbaugh has a whole life insurance policy too, and within his contract, Michigan University pays it for him. I believe that we have yes. commented about and that so, before. And so does Dabo. And so does Dabo Sweeney from Clemson University. Um, and, and, you know, what they're trying to do also is they're, pro- they're protecting their investment so that if either one of those, and I haven't seen the contract, but I'm telling you, this is the way whole life is used all the time, is they will actually own the contract. It's like a deferred comp. And if you don't stay a certain amount of time, then uh, you leave prematurely, then they actually have the death benefit on you into the future. Um, so they get paid back and it's a, it's, it's a buy sell agreement that we talk about all the time. It's a key man insurance that we talk about all the time. And it's, it's a deferred comp 
uh, situation that we talk about all the time. And you can really only do that with permanent insurance, whether it's IUL or whole life, because if you want to make sure you're going to get your investment back, you have to do it with that. You can't do it with term life because people can outlive term life. Yes. All right. I've got two minutes. Uh, Let me see, guys. Thank you for all the engagement. We've never had so many comments to read through here. Um, Zach Carroll, does beneficiary get cash value and death benefit? No, they're paid out the death benefit, which includes the cash value. I hope that's, that's what we're talking about, you know, but you're also not paying for the difference in, in those two um, numbers for your, um, your cost of insurance. That's yes. The key. Zach also says you'll be taxed on withdrawals though, right? Here's the thing. You're only taxed on the withdrawal above your cost basis. Right. So I've paid in $50,000 to my life insurance policy and the cash value is now 70,000 and I withdraw all 70,000. I'm going to pay tax on the 20,000 that was growth. It's also tax deferred. So if you withdraw, but before age 59 and a half, you also pay a 10% penalty. So um, on that portion that was growth, on that right? portion that was growth. Yes. All right. Um, James, again, it's not magic. It's just simple IRS tax code. James says to Zach, my, my opinion, it's because the average person is fairly ignorant. The only way we can benefit with whole life is to take active control of our financial future. Um, I would say, yes, take active control. Let's not be average. We'll just say that. Um, James says they, the booksellers target the ignorant who wish to remain ignorant and put their future on autopilot. Here's what I think. It's easier to let somebody else do all the thinking and not have to actively think about your financial future. It is hard to take the control, but it is totally worth it. And I've never seen anyone be on the Forbes 400 list and become independently wealthy who just said, somebody else figure this out for me. I'll just leave it there. <laughs> yeah, and, and this is a soapbox that I get on all the time too, is we're, we're turning towards a society that is saying, somebody else take, take care of me. And mm-hmm. one of the reasons I think is so you can say, I, it wasn't my responsibility for learning about it. I trusted you and you betrayed me. Um, so, cause they, that way they can say, Hey, Not I didn't fault. make a mistake. That person who told me this made the mistake. And we're, and we're being reinforced that by a society and our government every single stinking day. Oh, I, yes, true. All right, guys. I hope that we're, Let me see if I can finish the rest of these. Jesus says, I'm still confused on how the insurance company makes money. Is it in the stock market? Rarely. It's mostly in corporate grade investment bonds. Um, John Fox Ward, I think we, you commented on that one already. Jesus says, do you guys have a video on how insurance companies make money to pay the death benefits? Yes, Jesus. I will try to grab that link. Um, And that's specifically, yes, we do have a link. I'm just not sure I can get it in here before we quit the live feed. Um, James trade, go to themoneyadvantage.com, James or Jesus. And uh, I'm trying to think what we titled that episode. I do well, not they remember. Can drop, they can drop us a, a line on themoneyadvantage.com yes. and we can get that link to them. Yes. Yeah, so you can email hello at themoneyadvantage.com. We can get you that link. James says somewhat tangential. I don't know how to say that word either. What I would like to understand is how the legislation that just snuck through is going to impact 7702 and thus how will future policies evolve in the context of those changes? Great news. We just talked about that last week. You can check um, the the episode is in YouTube already. It will come out on our podcast channel. I think it's like four weeks out or something like that. So yes, we have an episode on the changes with 7702. Um, James says- One of the things we didn't talk about in that episode is that there's going to be the 7702 changes, but then there's going to be an interpretation by the insurance companies on the changes too. Yes. Design the product and companies will design products slightly differently. They can't, they can't design them a lot differently, but slightly differently. Um, and there will also be changes, those changes, because they're going to have to de- determine if, if this was a good design going into the future. Insurance companies do that every year, just like any other company does that. I always use Coca-Cola and UPS. You know, Coca-Cola and UPS are looking at their business uh, models all the time and making changes. So they'll do the same thing. Absolutely. All right. I think we've got most of it here. Right, Bruce. James says, I don't know why that concept around death benefit versus cash value seems so difficult to grasp. We've covered that. James says, term insurance is renting a death benefit like a house. You'll never get any future benefit out of it. The way we say it, Term life is a death benefit only. It's truly death insurance. Whole life insurance 
is life insurance. It has a death benefit, but also living benefits that you can use while you're living. Um, not the same product. You cannot compare apples to apples. You can't say whole life is expensive compared to term. That's like saying, I don't know, a house is expensive compared to, I don't know, buying a picket fence. Or rent, or renting an apartment. There you go. All right. I think we've covered most of that here. Chuck Foz says, you need to make sure you talk with someone who really knows the ins and outs of infinite banking. Take time to do the research and ask the questions. The product is great for the average person. Yes, I would absolutely agree. This is not only for the wealthy. I have seen many people, um, there's a word I'm looking for, but really secure their financial foundation at all income levels by using whole life insurance as a part of their strategy. And so thank you guys for being with us today. We'll just say whole life and infinite banking. This is one part of a bigger journey. We've alluded to this earlier. Time and money freedom is really this position where you're you're keeping as much money as possible, protecting it, and then using it to make more. We help you complete that arc to build time and money freedom in your life. And if you are interested in learning more, you can do multiple things. Go to themoneyadvantage.com. We've got a free guide on privatized banking that you can go through. There's a video and a download, some great information that will help you figure out how you can earn a return in two places at the same time. So you can accelerate your returns without adding risk. And then we also have the ability to book a call. We have an advisor team that is experienced and ready to help take you through that trajectory to help you figure out your next best step so you can build that time and money freedom. Um, we're going to leave it there. We have significantly gone over today. I've got another meeting in five minutes. So um, thank you so much. Success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd and build a life and business you love. Discover the secret of how to earn a return on the same money in two places at the same time so that you can strengthen your investment returns. We've created a free guide for you that explains the top three things every investor needs their privatized banking system to do. Go to themoneyadvantage.com slash banking, put in your name and primary email address, click the send my free guide button right now, and we'll see you on the inside. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and registered investment advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.